Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to Netflix and Swill, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I do my best work when podcasting in the backseat of a Lincoln. And I like not having distractions and the other thing he says. He says a lot of things. He, he throws out a lot of nuggets of wisdom that uh, seem like a man just speaking bullshit for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the Ford unemployed. <laughs> and I'm the Suzuki payroll guy. Yeah, that's right. I have I have a car that's discontinued in my in the fucking United States. Right? Right? They haven't made any Suzuki's recently? In I think the so. car business. I used to own a Saturn. I don't think they make those anymore either. I, I don't think so either. So, how are you? I'm all right. I'm we're okay. we're not we're not car boys. We'll just you know. Oh, I'm definitely not. But yeah, I'm okay. It's uh, uh, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing well. It's I don't know. I've been um, it's kind of hanging out watching the Lincoln Lawyer today because I just kind of felt shitty today. My uh. <sighs> I, I haven't been sleeping well the last few nights. I don't know what's going on. I just haven't. I've just been kind of restless. So it's feeling shitty. So it gave me a lot of time to hang out and watch the Lincoln lawyer. Saw an awful lot of Nev Campbell. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I'm here now to do the show and we're going to begin the show the way we usually do, uh, which is to just talk about shit for a few minutes be- until we feel like doing the show. That's true. My banter topic for the week is that I started getting into the Pokemon trading card game, uh, by which I mean I'm playing the Pokemon trading card game on the old Game Boy Color game yes. of the same name. That is correct. Uh, that, that game exists and it's fun. Uh, it's the best version of the Pokemon trading card game because I remember what all the cards do. It's interesting. It's an interesting time capsule. I've been playing it a lot the last day or two. Uh, I kind of can't get enough of it right now. Um, Because it's it's been very fun, Uh, especially now that like I'm old and intelligent enough to understand the mechanics and I'm not just like I'm going to get a Blastoise or whatever. And it's like the the hoops you have to jump through to like evolve your shit up to that level. It's kind yeah. of difficult. It's still kind of crazy to me that that game exists. Because, like, uh, you don't think of the Game Boy as being, like, a particularly robust system. Like That's it's, correct. Uh, it's pretty simplistic, actually. Uh, but, like, they were able to program in, I don't know, it's like 260, 270 cards, I think, oh are God. in the game. It's uh, the first base set of the game along with the first two expansions, uh, which are called jungle and fossil and then promo cards. Yeah. And there's a few promo cards. There's a few cards that only exist in the game boy version. Uh, cause they do things that like you can't do with a physical card. Uh, so it's Pokemon TCG arena. Uh, everybody laugh at my good joke about the other card game we play. I don't know. The thing that kind of brought it on is like they did a, like the Pokemon company did a live stream event where they were like, here's what we have coming out in the next year. And one of the things was like Pokemon trading card game classic, which is like a box set that includes like some decks and, you know, like a play mat and stuff. And it's supposed yeah. to be like an all in one board gamey thing. I was like, Oh man, that's cool. It's like stuff from the old times. Uh, but then like, the more, 
the more I looked into it, the more I was like, oh, this doesn't actually seem like it's going to be a good product. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't think it's probably going to be worth what they charge it for. But like the seed was planted and I was like, I can just do that myself if I want to play the game. I don't know. As far as like the game's actual mechanics, like it's pretty simple and straightforward. At least like it was at the time the Game Boy game came out and like uh-huh. the era of the game that I'm actually familiar with. But it's like you you put out your Pokemon, uh, you can use moves that they have, but you have to like have a certain amount of like energy cards attached to them to pay for the cost of the move, otherwise they can't do it. I don't know. The other like main mechanic is like you have they're called trainer cards that are like oh. things to assist you. So it's like uh you know, draw extra cards or you know, search for a thing or heal your Pokemon or whatever the fuck. Uh so like that's where most of the strategy comes from because like the actual like battle aspect of it is just like power up your thing and like smash them into each other. Uh and all the strategy comes from using trainer cards. Uh that said, I recently, you know, from delving into the Game Boy game, figured out that uh, the strongest fucking card ever printed is the Professor Oak card. Yes. Because it lets you dump your hand and draw seven cards. It's like, oh, I can just find exactly what I need every time. Mm-hmm. Bill is also very good. Yeah. B- yeah, Bill and Professor Oak in every deck are four copies uh which is the most you can have because they're it's just that good to like be able to never run out of gas like if you're if you're just ripping cards off the top of your deck one per turn and like waiting to do stuff waiting for your deck to come online that sucks um also like by far the strongest actual monster in it that you can play with is scyther uh, because he has like 70 hit points and like a mechanic is you have your active Pokemon, which is the one that's like attacking and receiving damage. And then you have a bench of like things that you're ready to switch in. So like to retreat your active Pokemon and swap it with one of your bench Pokemon, you have to like discard a certain number of energy cards off of it. So like it has a cost to retreat it. Well, Scyther has a retreat cost of zero. So you can just, you always put Scyther out as your first and like see what your opponent has. And then like it can tank a few hits, retreat for nothing. So like you're powering up whatever is on your bench that's going to like actually sweep the opposing team. And it's uh, phenomenal, just phenomenal gameplay. Uh, Very limited on the Game Boy because it's just like, you know, there's gyms you go to and each one is like, four people and they all have like their own deck it's like there's variety to it but like you know there's it's obvious like there's no human opponent they just jam their best card every turn and you know so like you're not like playing the fucking metagame or whatever so like after like two hours of fighting the same person over and over i had the correct cards to make a very strong deck that uh, you know, I played through the entire game. Yeah, uh, I found a deck online that was basically like, here's all the best cards. Uh, you just run nothing but basics. You don't evolve like you don't play the evolution cards. You just run nothing but basic Pokemon and you win because you just uh, they're able to do more damage because they don't evolve. But they're also very strong. Yeah. Uh, and you just win using the uh, the only evolve strategies like the only non-basic pokemon that you would want to play are um actually wigglytuff is like the strongest thing in the game in strangely enough because it's just like a big pink wada chewed bubblegum basically yes but like uh it has a move called do the wave where it deals damage for each pokemon you have in play so like 10 for itself and then 10 for each benched Pokemon. So you just stack your bench full of shit and you're just hitting for 60 damage every time. Uh, And then the other, like, it's very easy to get that online. And then the other one 
is uh like the Blastoise Rain Dance deck because you put mm-hmm. down the Squirtle and then there's uh a trainer card called Pokemon Breeder that lets you just immediately turn it into a Blastoise. And then Blastoise has an ability that lets you uh, put as many water energy cards onto something on your turn as you want. So you just drop Squirtle, play the Pokemon Breeder, turn it into Blastoise, put as many energy cards on it, and then just hammer everything before your opponent gets to do anything. And uh, it's amazing. It's, it's very cool and fun gameplay. And I'm very into it right now. Yes. And it makes me want to buy paper cards, which is stupid because no, that's that's wrong and incorrect. Yeah. That's you shouldn't do that. You should do the opposite of that, which is <laughs> not buy anything and just sit there. Uh, speaking of just sitting here, it's going to get us into our first main segment of the show, which is what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. Uh, Dan, what do you have? I made a daiquiri. So I'm drinking a daiquiri. Oh, and I have a daiquiri. I have what I'm calling the VLD, which is short for very large daiquiri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just so you know, I'm serious. I'm drinking it out of a mason jar, which appears to be attached to like a candle holder that it's epoxied to to make into like a shitty uh white trash wine glass. Yes. This is uh something that my wife won in a bingo game at her parents' house at Christmas time. And this is the first time I've used it. It's refreshing. We're both daiquiri boys. That's true. I'm so happy that I brought this into our lives. I am too. It's a, it's a good drink. It's a good bevy. Uh, and with that, let's move into the news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right, so it's a weird one. Um, Netflix put out a list to publications and uh, people of that ilk uh, with like a, a movie slate. And... Uh, Casey Moore of What's on Netflix recently found out that Damsel has been removed from that slate for unknown reasons. Uh, the movie is set to star Millie Bobby Brown and is directed by Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. Uh, the logline is, after f- first being locked in a tower and then hidden deep in the forest to prevent a prince from rescuing her, long-haired Rapunzel vows to get her revenge. Neat. <laughs> It's weird that the movie got delayed and we don't know why. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. Uh, We saw footage for like four seconds and it didn't look particularly great. But it was a Millie Bobby Brown thing, so it was going to be uh, somewhat popular. Yeah. It doesn't sound all that great. Sounds okay. So, yeah, it's uh, seemingly no longer coming out in 2023. Which means 2024. Uh, probably. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it just, it, it, it's just weird that they come out and they're like, hi, this is going to premiere in like, I think it was October. And now they're just like, uh, never mind. Like, it felt like a, we're like, it was big, a big part of their marketing push to be like, look how many movies we have coming this year. Please don't cancel your subscription. And now it's just like, uh, it turns out movie wasn't ready yet. So come back later. <laughs> and then I'm listening to downstream. Uh, where we talk about some trailers that uh, may or not may or may not be good. Baby, I can't control the Internet. That's my favorite line. All right. Uh, our first trailer that may or may not be good uh, is called Who Were We Running From? Questions we should never ask. Hashtag, who were we running from? Only on Netflix, March 24th. Hiding mysterious past, a mother lives like a nameless fugitive with her daughter as they make hotels their home and see everyone else as a threat. Uh, This is a Turkish show. Oh. I never would have gotten that. Yeah. Uh, What did you think of the trailer? Uh, Looks all right, I guess. I wouldn't have known that it was Turkish if I didn't read the YouTube comments, 
because the entirety of my knowledge uh, about Turkey comes from that one They Might Be Giants song. Is it the, the song that goes, Istanbul and Constantinople? And it's nobody's business about the Turks. <laughs> uh, that is correct. No one knows what they say in, like, where the part where I fucking just like shoe bopped. But, uh, you know, we all know that song. Yeah. Uh, I like the trailer. I don't know if the show is going to be any good. Uh, it was it, for you, at least a blessing because it was a 90 second trailer. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which uh, I think is the perfect amount of time for that. It's just like I think overall like eighty seconds worth of actual content, and then ten seconds of Netflix stinger at the end. But still, uh, set up a good vibe. Uh, got in, got out, got going. Looks all right. It's one of those trailers. It's just like it's a bunch of drama beats. Yes, I don't know necessarily that that like tells me what it actually is or is about. That's fair. So, uh, I have more to say about the next one, uh, which is the trailer for Hunger. Experience the kind of hunger you have never seen before in Hunger. A talented young street food cook pushes herself to the limit after accepting an invitation to train under an infamous and ruthless chef. Uh, This is a show about Gordon Ramsay. I can't wait for the sequel, Thirst. Oh, man. And it's about Jenna Jameson. Do people still know who Jenna Jameson is, or am I just pulling that because she was... No, she wasn't the person on Enema of the State. Her name is Janine. That That's correct. Her name is Janine. There's too many uh, porn actresses na- with J names. Don't shame them. Oh, it's not shameful. No, nope, don't shame them. You're shaming. <laughs> J. Jonah Jenna Jameson. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I also like the vibe on this trailer. Like, uh, I thought this uh, really conveyed a very interesting story. And I'm interested to check this show out at the very least to uh, say that I've checked it out. Will I check it out, though? I don't know. Doubtful. It's weird how, like, everything culturally now is, like, through the lens of, like, how we interact with food and stuff. Because, like, this obvious, like, it's a Gordon Ramsay horror show thing. And then, like, we had the menu came out, what, last year? Yep. I think there was another, another similar movie that came out within the last few years. It was about, like... Hey, come to this restaurant. Get away from how shitty the world is outside. It's turned out to be like a bunch of wealthy people, like, you know, killing and eating people or whatever. I don't know. It's interesting. But like, I I guess like the. The core tenet of like why that is such a cultural thing, like they say it in here, which is that like, you know, poor people eat to get rid of their hunger. But like, if you have more food than you need to not be hungry, then like your hunger can never be sated. I guess because you can construe food in in, uh, narrative ways that make it uh, more than like make it about a class struggle as opposed to like other narrative. I don't know. It it, it feels like with uh, what do we have? We had what was it? Uh, the, The not the elevator. What the fuck was it called? The, the the vertical prison that had was just trickle down economics, but with food. Uh, elevator, the, the platform. That's it. The platform. Yeah, right, we had the platform, which was a very similar concept, and now we have this, which uh, it seems to be more about like the treatment of food staff and also a relationship with the rich. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's always going to be a thing like, you know, the food and like sustenance is the bottom of Laszlo's hierarchy of needs. Like there's always going to be something very primal and like very prima facie fucking true about 
if somebody has more than you, like food is representative of that. Cause like if you're out here eating cup ramen or whatever the fuck, and then like some guy's screaming at a girl for slicing the Wagyu too thin or too thick or whatever the fuck, there's very clearly a difference there. Yeah. But I will say this, uh, cup ramen still good. Eat it. Yeah. I bougie it up, though. I put a whole egg in there. Oh, look at you. Some other fucking spices. I like uh, to get the ramen packets and I will throw the whole block into like my smallest saucepan so that it just barely fits with the corners and I'll mm -hmm. sprinkle the dust over the top and then Mm -hmm. I'll put water on it so that it runs through like the flavor powder and like the water comes about halfway up the noodle block and then I'll, you know, boil it with that. Cause then you get a layer of cooked noodles and then a layer of crunchy noodles. Mm. I've always done it that way. And I think I'm the only person who enjoys it that way. Uh, that's probably true. Cause that's not how I enjoy them. You fucking psycho. The best way to enjoy a block of ramen is to open it and just throw it out the window and um, go back to foraging in the trash because you're a monster. Whatever you say. The next trailer is for the night agent. Heroes aren't born. They answer the call from the executive producer of The Shield and SWAT comes the night agent. Uh, while monitoring an aid emergency line, a vigilant FBI agent answers a call that plunges him into a deadly conspiracy involving a mole at the White House. Uh, the night agent, fighter of the day agent, uh-huh. champion of the president. Was it like the president's daughter or something he's protecting? I don't know. It's had like, is this, uh, is this Leon? Leon? Oh, God, yeah, it is Leon Kennedy. Just <laughs> throw in a suit of armor. I hope people get that. I hope people have played enough Resident Evil 4, even though I haven't, uh, but I, I, I just know it. Uh, but I hope you've all played enough Resident Evil 4 to understand that reference. I don't know. The first time uh, I was playing Resident Evil 4 and somebody showed me that, like, if you jump down a ladder and then, like, aim up the ladder so you're, like, trying to look up the girl that you're helping skirt and she, like, crouches down and calls you a pervert. I was like, this is the best video game ever made. Sure. It's very funny. Yes. Uh, In this game, they took that part out because they gave her pants. Mm. Hmm. In the remake, they gave her pants. Interesting. And people are upset about every everybody, you know, another another. Classic pop culture thing dying to fucking wokeism. Can't objectify women. Uh, as for this trailer, I like it. Human music. Uh, this looks like one of the another one of those dad shows or like another one of those parent shows like Lincoln Lawyer is where it's just designed to keep you engaged enough. And like it makes enough jokes at the expense of millennials that the boomers can get down with it. All right. Uh, Well, that'll bring us into quick hits. Uh, So did you watch anything beyond the the scope of our normal watching this week? Um, Yes, but not on Netflix. It was a lot of Vanderpump rules. Uh, Currently, they're going through a big scandal where uh, one of their stars cheated on his uh, longtime girlfriend, who is also a star on the show, with another star of the show. And now uh, Ashley is rewatching through it because uh, we now believe this man to be a serial liar. And mm. we're, we're rewatching to find all the lies. So uh, that's that's what we have done. Uh, look up Tom Sandoval to understand what's going on. It's a wild fucking ride. Because people who we thought were liars and are crazy and were crazy uh, might no longer be liars and or crazy. Well, all right. What about you? What'd you watch? Uh, I watched a few things on Netflix. I watched uh, Galaxy Quest. I've never seen it before. What? Okay. 
Yeah, I always had it advertised to me at the beginnings of uh, VHS tapes that, you know, had previews for other movies. Uh, This is my first time I ever sat down and watched it. Uh, So this is like a send up of Star Trek. Uh, Basically, like. There's a, a race of aliens that don't understand that, like. Acting and like. saying things that are untrue for entertainment purposes exists. Mm -hmm. So like they see transmissions of this old show galaxy quest and like model their society after it and refer to them as historical documents. Yes. So like they come to earth and abduct the cast of this old ass show, uh, to help them fight against the villain in the movie. This has Tim Allen, who is a piece of shit, uh, playing a piece of shit in the movie. Yes. I uh, was just a drunk, washed up, you know, really thinks that he's somebody, you know, and then like. Has his ego stroked further by these aliens who worship him. Has Sigourney Weaver as the the token female on the show who is just there to have her boobs out. Yeah, uh, she's just in this movie to have her boobs out. She looks very good. They're very good boobs. Uh, Sigourney Weaver, you know, famously a very handsome woman. So, uh, you know, she did the thing. Uh, has Alan Rickman. He's like the the Leonard Nimoy of the piece. He's a classically trained actor, uh, you know, who he's upset that this is the biggest thing he's ever done. And he was like, I was Hamlet for Christ's sakes. Uh, his Tony Shalhoub as you know, just the guy who's there. He's just happy to be there. Yep. Uh, Sam Rockwell was like, you know, the red shirt who got shot in a random episode. And, you know, just the whole time he's just like, I don't even have a last name. You know, I'm going to, get shot and take one for the team and he ends up, you know, that's his struggle the whole time. You got other people here. You got Justin Long as a nerd who helps them. Uh, You got Enrico Colantoni, uh, who I've seen in, I think, one other thing ever, but he's like the leader of the aliens. Uh, The aliens are great. In this, like, that's yeah, the, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, also as Missy Pyle as another alien uh, who I've seen in things that I can't Missy remember. Missy Pyle is in a lot of comedy things. Yeah, a lot of like th- this kind of is um, like a who's who of, hey, I've seen that person before. Yes. At least once. So. But uh Yeah. There's a very real alien threat uh, that they get abducted to deal with. And Tim Allen at first thinks it's like, you know, uh, my publicist put this together for my birthday or whatever the fuck. That's that's actually the point of a Bruce Campbell, the plot of a Bruce Campbell movie. But like in this, it's what, like he thinks it's just like an acting role or something. Yeah, Even you know, though, he, like, yeah, he just thinks it's like crazed fans who just like, yeah, fuck it. Oh, you know, I'll just do this. Who cares? Like, I got shit. I, I don't have anything better to do. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like it's like a gig. Like, he gets hired for events and shit. So he's like, oh, and despite not having been paid or anything, I'll just play along. Because they want me to be the captain. Uh, but then, uh, you know, he finds out he has to fight a rock monster and then freaks out. And uh, it's good. The movie is funny. Yes. I think uh, multiple people who have been involved with Star Trek say it's probably the best Star Trek movie ever written. Mm, I don't know. I think the best Star Trek anything is the Orville. I mean, that might be true now. This was like pre the Orville. So, yeah. But uh, I think uh, I think even. Uh, oh, God, what's his name? Patrick Stewart was like, yeah, that's the best it's ever been. Uh, I don't want to come back and do anything 
and then he came back and did Picard uh, at the age, at the tender age of like ninety five. Yeah, because dementia was sitting in, and they were like, "Here is money." I I doubt that Patrick Stewart has dementia. I'm just I'm stereotyping olds. He's just old. I don't I don't get it. It's one of the it's one of those weird things where I don't I don't understand the point of Picard. But hey, you guys want to oh, you guys want to have Picard? You have it. An actor did a job for money. Mild shock. Well, yes, that. But I meant like from a creative aspect. Why would you care? Why do you care to have Picard exist? Uh, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Fucking nostalgia bait because no. I don't get it. Whatever. My favorite was when they rebooted the Galaxy Quest show, and I was like, "Oh, that's very today." Yeah, how prescient is this thing? They made a they they made a move. They the the thing came back because all the actors stopped hating each other because they got older. <laughs> all the like little spinoffy like referential things of Star Trek, and even like the the reboot Star Trek films with Chris Pine as Kirk. Um, a lot of them kind of miss the point of what Star Trek is because it's like, oh, we're going to have, you know, big flashy space battles. But like, I don't know, the point of Star Trek was like. They were explorers and like researching, hey, here's a weird thing that we found. And like, um, you know, we're going to. Initiate diplomatic relations and a cultural exchange with this weird planet. Uh, but I don't know. I if you're making uh a 90 minute fucking action comedy film uh you're going to want to have like some mortal stakes in there so you have to have a bad guy in space battles so yeah so uh it's pretty good yes uh, i recommend this movie i've seen it like four times <laughs> which uh me seeing anything four times uh recommend yeah it speaks volumes the other thing that i watched on netflix was chris rock selective outrage which was the live streamed comedy special uh it's weird watching this after the fact that it was live streamed because like they clearly had somebody like doing closed captioning typing it in on the fly because uh, there's like typos in the subtitles and shit. I always watch stuff with subtitles because I like to, yes. you know, that's just how I roll. Deal with it. Um, but like, yeah, they they put stuff wrong and I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're going to, you know, eventually go back and and change it. Do like a new subtitle track that's more accurate or whatever, since this was like the live closed captioning. But mm-hmm. uh it says nothing about the content. It's just a thing that I thought of and thought was interesting. Uh, it's Chris Rock. He does jokes. He's a good comedian. He's one of the best comedians that has done comedy. Uh, the best part of this is when he does 10 minutes at the end about Will Smith slapping him in the face. Uh, and it was very funny. Because like... You know, he says a lot of the things that we were all thinking this whole time, which is that like, oh, he just kind of took the hit. But also like Will Smith is like two full feet taller than him and like is basically a piece of shit for, you know, committing violence on this person because like he won't pick a fight with somebody his own size. He'll attack the person that he knows that he can beat. It's like, yeah, that's true. He was Muhammad Ali. And like, why wouldn't he, you know, punch down? Uh, Sure. I never thought that. I just immediately stopped caring because I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't know. Uh, I posted memes about it for like two days and then something else stupid happened. And I was like, this is funnier now. Yeah, it's that's why I've been avoiding this kind. Well, I already just avoid comedies, but I just don't care anymore. I don't like what comedies become where it's just basically like I've stopped telling jokes and now just tell like anecdotes that may or may not be funny. And I'm going to talk down to my audience the, the entire time. Uh, I, I blame multiple people for this transition to yeah. what stand up comedy is now. 
I'm very selective with the stand-up comedy that I enjoy. Uh, and I think that based on something else that I watched that wasn't Netflix, because uh, I also watched the Marlon Wayans stand-up special titled God Loves Me on HBO Max, uh, which I probably watch more than Netflix now because it has The Last of Us. Um, but I think that my comedy style is black man yelling, uh, which is probably why I gave Chappelle like so much time and like excused him for the horrible things that he did for so long. But like, Oh, the Marlon Wayans one is pretty funny too. The entire thing is just like, like it's him just talking about his life and his career but it's all done through the context of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. And basically like he's saying that Chris Rock got slapped by Will Smith uh, because God, God was punishing Chris Rock for being disrespectful to him uh, when he was a young man trying to get his start in comedy. Cause he heckled him so bad that he quit doing stand up and just did movies with his famous brothers. Sure. I don't know. Like, if I wanted to hear about a comedian's life and times, uh, I would just read a Wikipedia page. Like, if you can tell it to me funny, sure. But like, I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> anymore. It's just like the the stories being told. It's like this is a story, and maybe there'll be a punchline to it. Uh, maybe people will awkwardly laugh through it, and maybe that'll cue you, the audience, to also laugh through it. But ultimately, it's just not going to be very interesting or funny. But I mean, in the in the same vein, like, why watch anything like, you know, things are entertaining if you're entertained by them. Like, right. The the eye of the the eye of the beholder is where beauty lies. So, yes. And I'm saying I'm not entertained by these things, so yeah. I don't watch them because I don't care. So I'm glad everybody enjoyed the Chris Rock special or didn't. I've heard I've seen people say it sucks. I've seen people say it's great. I don't care. Uh, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on it. I'm never going to watch it because I don't care. And that's fine. You're you're allowed to never watch it. I'm just telling you that I did because that's what this segment is. That's true. And that's the end of the segment because I didn't watch anything after it. Well, cool. Uh, that'll move us into a quick break. And when we come back from that break, it'll be time to talk about our meeting review topic for the week, which is The Lincoln Lawyer, season one. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our wonderful patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, the Mike Rula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Casey Moore, Jason the Nerdrovert, Sam the Hurlahee Boy Hurley, Nick Haskins, David Powell, and my mom. If you'd like to join that illustrious list of patrons, visit patreon.com slash netflix and swill or if you'd like to support us without spending any money you can share our podcast on social media tell a friend or review the podcast on any podcatcher it'd be greatly appreciated now back to your regularly scheduled banter welcome back everybody caleb it's time to get a new topic for the week which is the lincoln lawyer season one and the Lincoln Lawyer is a 2022 crime drama mystery show. Uh, an iconoclastic idealist runs his law practice out of the back of his Lincoln town car in the series based on Michael Connelly's best-selling novels. Does he, though? He doesn't, really. He has an office. Uh, he's called the Lincoln Lawyer because he likes their good cars. Uh, he has a town car and whatever... SUV type thing they have. Mm -hmm. And then a convertible. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has multiple Lincolns. The, the best thing in this show to me is that like each of them has a different vanity plate and also seemingly every character in this universe has a vanity plate. Uh, so since he's, a, he's Phoenix Wright defense attorney, uh, his, Vanity plates say dope shit like not guilty and dismissed. Uh, it's also it's a 7.7 .7 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, 
he is a lawyer. He has the Lincolns. Uh, this show has big 2004 TBS. We, we love drama energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this basically is if burn notice was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it has like, you know, each episode has a case and then there's a big case that goes through the season that he's mm-hmm. trying to figure out. And if that sounds familiar, uh, that's burn notice, baby. I mean, good. Quite honestly, Netflix needed a, a like a, I guess like a boomery show, like because mm-hmm. I I posted on our Discord like this show has very big boomer energy, in that like it feels like an NCIS or like you said like a burn notice, a Suits like that kind of show that like has a day to day thing but also has an overarching story for the entire season. It's just the season doesn't stretch out over twenty two episodes. It's only ten. All right. Um. I like this show. I think it's good. It's entertaining. I didn't watch yes. all of it because, you know, uh, I didn't remember what we were supposed to watch. And I listened back to our episode this morning so that I could know. And then I started watching it. I started the show at 9 a.m. and I finished 10 minutes before we were supposed to actually record. Nice. So because I'm a psycho. Um, I, I felt ill today. So I started at like, you know, a little afternoon. That's fine. Uh, this show is easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl in that it's yeah. just kind of whatever. Uh, I I enjoy it. I got into it. I would say it's a solid show. I, I, I'm remiss to call it good because there are some. And I when I said boomer energy, I also meant in the writing because there are some very boomery topics that they sometimes get into, like uh one uh, one character says these goddamn millennials at least <laughs> once, and I just went, "Uh huh." How boomer of you? Yeah, I like the show. I think it's good. Uh, Cisco is the best. I want him in all the scenes. Yeah, uh, C- Cisco getting a spinoff would be cool, but uh, yeah, uh, Cisco is his investigate. I, I actually took the time to explain to Ashley everything was going on because, you know, daylight savings today. I was through an episode and a half of the show before Ashley woke up and I took like two minutes to explain it to her. And it's like, yeah, this dude has like a very incestuous like law firm in that it hit the woman who runs it is his ex-wife. And uh, his lead investigator or his investigator for the firm is his ex-wife's boyfriend Mm -hmm. and he uh, has a prosecution attorney as a first ex-wife who he has a child with. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of the Lincoln lawyer's character. He's a a guy who's had a rough road uh, driving in his Lincoln. He had a, a surfing accident because he's a cool dad. Yes. And you know, when he was, healing from it he got addicted to painkillers uh so he's tortured and you know has to deal with it but he's ultimately gonna be the lovable underdog it's the lincoln lawyer tnt we know drama yeah i mean the other like big usa network energy from this is that like and it's the the inciting incident that is how from much, how much more can we shit on TBS, TNT, and I USA? Do, I mean, I don't mean to, but like they like their situations are over the top and kind of ridiculous. But so there's this lawyer at the beginning of the show who gets murdered in his own car, and it turns out that he's left his entire practice to the Lincoln lawyer. And you're just like, what? How does that work? Yeah. Okay. Like, and you just kind of have to like get immediately past that because the show is just like, okay, this is happening. You have to get over it. He's like, uh, you know, his will says, Hey, I know you had some rough times, but I believe in you, Lincoln lawyer. Uh, you're going to have the best Lincoln and be the best lawyer. Cause I love you. So, I mean, getting, getting aside from that, uh, it does, I think it's a pretty good pilot episode where it, you know, 
establishes what's going on with him, establishes why he's in this scenario. What is the big case that's going to be throughout the entire season, which is essentially white OJ Simpson. And, uh, he, he will get random people off like every other, like every episode from their crimes, or at least get them whittled down sentences for their crimes. Uh, you calling the guy white OJ Simpson, I think is a massive spoiler for me who hasn't seen the end of the season yet, because now I know he actually did the killing. Oh, well, I, when I mean white OJ Simpson, (laughs) I just mean, uh, that in, when you look at it, him revenge killing, uh, his wife and her boyfriend, uh, seems very OJ Simpson-y. Uh, there is no glove, however. Oh, no. Somebody murdered my beautiful wife, Nicole, and my best friend, Ron. Who could do this? Liar! You tell the truth! Uh, all I'm thinking of now is the Stotches outside of their house giving the press conference. <laughs> and you have, like, all the all the fucking parents who, who've done something shady with their children. It's a good episode where Butters, uh, it's Detective Butters, and Detective Butters follows his dad around. Uh, where to where his mom learns that his dad is actually uh, a, a gay man, or at least has extreme gay thoughts where he uh, yeah. likes seeing dudes naked. He likes to go to the like Turkish his... bathhouse and wrestle. We love South Park. We reference it all the time now because all the time because we can't talk about Rick and Morty because it's yep. extremely problematic. And South Park isn't, I guess. I mean, no, not really. Like those guys have they, the internet has tried to cancel that guy those guys so many times that it just doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you know what the fuck it is. Like it does what it fucking says on the tin. Like you can just not watch it if you don't like it. Yeah, uh, the Lincoln Lawyer is a solid show. I look forward to season two. Although I'm not going to say I'm surprised to see that season it got more than a season one. Uh, I, I don't want to say what happens at the end of season one, but it, everything feels like it wraps up pretty neatly, except for like a couple dangly threads uh, that were left there for a potential season two. But yeah, uh, I I do want to see more of the show. Uh, you, How far did you get? You got like, I'm going to assume like five uh, episodes. Maybe yeah, four. like episode five or six. I think yeah. I'm on. So you even you haven't even gotten to see Mickey in like in court yet because the final four episodes are like him at trial with uh trevor yes the one that i was watching is they're doing jury selection which Mm. was very interesting yeah the weirdest part about the show is they do these random like burn notice style interstitials where it's mickey talking about the life of being a lawyer and just Mm -hmm. like the fuck is this like yeah. why is this lit this way is no, this it's a dream it's worth notice like the way the way it's paced the way the shots are framed the way like the narrative pacing goes like they're they're literally like he goes to like a seaside via that his fucking client lived in and like you know he was in the lower left corner of the frame and then like the rest was this vista of like the ocean in the background and i was like this is a scene from burn notice yeah which again it's fine i enjoyed that uh my favorite joke in the show was uh the second episode after he gets the uh, gets his driver because he needs a driver for his lincoln so he can do his law in the back seat Mm -hmm. uh she notices they're being followed and uh, attempts to get them away and successfully does. <laughs> and he goes, well, wow, that was some good driving. She's like, yeah, I know. Thanks. Uh, Grand Theft Auto was some really good uh, practice for me. Yeah. Do you understand? I'm young. I'm a young person. I'm a millennial. Uh, well, for me, that was twofold, because also the most recent Grand Theft Auto game was set in uh san andreas which is uh or no it was set in los santos which is los angeles mm-hmm. and considering how young she is that's probably the only grand theft auto game she's played so she she got practice driving in la by playing a video game in set in la yeah that's good 
that's a reference. Um, let me see if I have my Grand Theft Auto lore correct. So Liberty City is New York. New York. Uh, San Andreas is San Francisco. And Los Santos is there. Are there other ones? Vice City, which is Miami. Vice City. Oh, well, yes, that's correct. Yeah, because it's Miami Vice. Is there a Vegas one? Did they do a Vegas? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I want to say yes. I've never been to Vegas. I should do that. I call it Lost Wages. Uh, anything else to say about the Lincoln War? No, I like it. I want to watch it more, so I will. Uh, it's it's easy to watch. It's you know something you can just have on and is fine, and you watch it. And then, you know, you get up and make a sandwich and make some important phone calls and carry on with your life and do the normal things that you do. Yes. Mom, you and dad should watch this. You would actually enjoy this show because it's paced like a lot of the shows you like. Yeah, like Burn Notice. I don't know if they've ever watched Burn Notice. They might have. (laughs) Uh, I watched all of Burn Notice. Uh, Cause I'm that bitch, and uh, yeah, that's my frame of reference for I guess everything. Yeah. All right. So with that, let's get into uh, the next part of the show, which is we watched a random movie segment. Uh, and in this week's, we watched a random movie. Uh, it was R.I.P.D. The yeah. original. R.I.P.D. is a 2013 action adventure comedy with. Uh, Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds. Uh, you wanted to watch it because we watched R.I.P.D. 2 on a dare. Mm-hmm. I thought that you were joking when you said you wanted to watch this and then it wasn't on the Google Doc. So I'm going to let you talk about it because I didn't watch it. Oh, well, that's my fault for not putting it on the Google Doc. Um, yeah, it's it's Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds and Mary Louise Parker. And Kevin Bacon is also in this movie. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, boy, did Ryan Reynolds have a bad stretch of movies at one point or what? Because oh, yeah. like he had he had fucking X-Men Origins Wolverine. He had this and he had Green Lantern. Now, there was other stuff in between all that. But like those are the big three Ryan Reynolds projects. I remember for like that stretch of time. Before Deadpool came out, he really he was doing a The Rock which is what I call it when you just do a bunch of bad movies and then suddenly uh, are like, I'm somebody now and do like movies that are well received, but don't win awards. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, The Rock is back down on the career trajectory of not giving a fuck and just making as much money as he can. I hate it. I hate that, man. Uh, I hate his acting career. So, yeah, uh it's R.I.P.D. Uh, this is at, we and the thing we discovered, Ashley and I discovered during the movie was that Roy Cephas is his partner, is Ryan Reynolds partner in this movie. So that means that R.I.P.D. 2 is actually a prequel to R.I.P.D. Well, we knew that, right? Because it's, you know, I did the whole reference to the Lethal Enforcer Sega Genesis slash arcade game where. You know, the first one is like you're a cop in New York City or whatever the fuck. And then the second one, you're a cowboy. You knew that, right? No. Did I not talk about this? Am I high? You might. You might have. I might have also blocked. I don't know, man. So, yeah, uh, I did not know that this that this was where the Roy Cephas character comes in. So. So Burn Notice gets old and becomes the dude. But also, uh, the dude is old, and then somehow his ghost has aged in all that time? (laughs) To become the dude? (laughs) Is that not how it works? No. Uh, At least I wouldn't think so, considering Joan of Arc was, when she died uh, and live for 1200 years being an RIPD then she never aged either yeah but if she was in this one she would be a skeleton I mean by that logic yes (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so Ryan Reynolds is a cop in the movie, and he uh, found some gold on a bust and took it and has it buried in his backyard uh, along with uh, he also took this along with his partner played by Kevin Bacon. And now Ryan Reynolds is having second thoughts as to keeping the gold. So he wants to turn it in. Uh, and this is right before uh, the two of them hear about a big bust happening with one of the drug dealers they've been looking for. So uh, they, they run off inside to catch the drug dealer and Kevin Bacon walks up to Ryan Reynolds and shoots him in the front uh, to kill him. So that way uh, it makes it look like the drug dealer killed him and he could just be rid of his partner who was about to rat in and turn in some gold that he found that was also going to implicate Kevin Bacon. So he becomes RIPD. He gets partnered with uh, fucking Roy Cephas and then Roy Cephas and uh, Ryan Reynolds have their covers as uh, a hot blonde woman. <laughs> Roy, Roy Cephas, a name that a human had. Yep. Uh, uh, a hot blonde woman and James Hong, uh, uh, respectively, are their, are their covers. Which uh, I would have rather watched James Hong okay. just play, the, play in this movie. So that, so that was already established lore. Yes, uh, but I but I, you needed to get their covers because remember in the last movie, uh, Roy Cephas had a black or technically in the next movie, he has a black woman as his cover. So, uh, yeah, uh, we also find out from Roy Cephas that he was also shot in the back by his partner, uh, which is not true. That is not how he dies in R.I.P.D. 2. Uh, he dies when a, a, another person shoots him in the back. He did not have a partner at that time. So they didn't even carry over the lore. They they couldn't even be fucking bothered. Yeah, it's almost like R.I.P.D. 2 was direct to DVD. Oh, well, yes. The the MacGuffin for this movie is the Staff of Jericho, which uh, stops the flow of the dead going into the land of the dead and instead reverses it. So all the deados would. Yes, there's still deados in this movie would yeah. come back to Earth and be deados on earth and not, not be able to be stopped because of the staff of Jericho. Uh, they, they stop Kevin. Do they, plan. do they have to, uh, prevent it by finding the balls of Jericho? Uh, no, they just, what winds up happening is, uh, fucking Jeff. That, Jeff is, Bridges. that is a wrestling move, right? I didn't walls, just make walls that of Jericho up in my is mind. A wrestling move. Okay. No, the walls of Jericho is real. They 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 win by having a dump truck fall on the golden statue that is the staff of Jericho. Uh, and then Kevin Bacon gets shot in the fucking face. And that's the movie. Uh, it's it's 90 minutes. So there's at least that it's it's in like w this is still the pre times when even bad movies knew to just get on with it and mm -hmm. just be over with as quickly as possible. Yeah. Uh, Jeff so Bridges is 90 bad minutes. in this movie. I, I will say that again. Jeff Bridges is bad in this movie. Uh, I don't like his over-the-top cowboy shtick thing that he does. It's dumb, It it's distracting, and it takes away any enjoyment that I could possibly have in the movie. Well, I guess they can't all be Tron legacies. Um, I remember that this movie came out at a movie theater that I worked at when I worked at a movie theater. And mm -hmm. I remember that while this movie was in the theater, uh, that like approximately three to seven people came to see it. Not like a day, like the period for the time we had it there. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this is a famous flop like this. This movie did so poorly that Universal does a direct a DVD sequel. Like that, that tells you everything you need to know about the performance of this movie. Uh, and I guess they only did a direct to DVD sequel because they feel like they're, they could get something out of this premise. And I think they're right. It's just the stories they've decided to tell with these movies instead are fucking dog shit. Well, yeah. Cause like this is a comic book property and like, I don't know. It's not like an Iron Man where it's like, everybody knows what the fuck RIPD is. But like there's a, a built in audience for it. And I feel like, you know, there's a way that you do this where. It 
is appealing to literally anybody, I guess. Yeah. But this this wasn't it. No, and neither really was R.I.P.D. Two. I I still feel like the correct way to go is a, a serialized television show that you just do like a monster of the week kind of thing. That feels correct. Make it like a supernatural or whatever. And you can have fucking burn notice in it as your main yeah. character. And, you know, if you can't get the the woman who plays Joan of Arc back, give him a different partner. Yeah. Because uh, she was getting pretty close to moving up to the heavy side layer, which is a reference to the musical Cats uh, that yeah. just came out of my brain for some reason. Maybe don't do, maybe don't do this one. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to say was that, like, Ryan Reynolds still acts the same as when he was yes. doing all of these bad movies. He just mm -hmm. has better roles now, but is the same. So, like, I don't know if there's a way to research this, but, like, maybe he just fired his agent and got one that is good and would put yeah. him in good movies. I mean, I will say... The Adam Project, I felt like it was his more, most diverse role in a long time. Like, Deadpool was also diverse to a degree, like original Deadpool, like not like Deadpool 2, where I felt like it was just like a caricature of Deadpool. But like Deadpool, the original had like some menace behind him. He was funny. He had like some heartwarming aspects to him. Adam, the Adam Project had that to a lesser extent, but he was also kind of a dickhead, but in, in a not a, an endearing way. So I don't know. I feel like he has it in him to play diverse kind of roles. It's just people see the Ryan Reynolds stick and just want to throw it into 11. Yeah. He could have been fucking played by anybody in this movie. Like he, <laughs> he, he just wasn't Ryan Reynolds. Like he was just like generic protagonist. I don't know if. If I was like pulled out of this timeline and placed into a world where like anytime there was a Ryan Reynolds movie in movie theaters, I would go to see it. And there was like a 75% chance that instead of whatever movie it was, it would just be the proposal. Like I would be delighted. <laughs> sure. I would watch that movie if they just re-released it in theaters like every couple months or so. The movie's a delight. Yeah, that came out like right before Deadpool. So, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about R.I.P.D. It's a bad movie. It It is on par with R.I.P.D. 2. Uh, and that's just because I felt like R.I.P.D. 2 was a better starting point for the franchise than this. Because it feels like R.I.P.D. 2 could be a TV movie that, le that is like a backdoor kind of pilot thing or like a secret pilot to a show. Does Jeff Bridges say what in Tarnation? I don't I don't remember. I didn't like when he was talking, I, I legitimately just tuned out. I was just so I was not on the Jeff Bridges train this movie. Hmm. <sighs> well, that's just too damn bad. I like you thought I was kidding that we were going to watch our RAPD. I, I don't like, know. No. We were just like brainstorming shit. And like, I remember you talking about it, but then we settled on the Lincoln lawyer and I was like, yeah, we'll watch that. And then like everything we talked about prior was like, you know, that's jokes that my brain doesn't need to have in it anymore. Sure. Uh, well, speaking of which uh, next week on the show, we'll be watching the glory part two and then on the back of that, uh, it'll be a joke you thought was being told, but is actually 100% serious. It's Magic Mike XXL, the second yeah. Magic Mike movie. I did know about that because when we talked about it, that's what we said, is that we'll watch it the following week along with the glory. Yeah. See, I, I know shit. So, yeah, uh, look forward to that. More more content. More hand movements. I like what you're doing, Lincoln Lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> now, don't take the pills. These are orange pills. Well, you can find the show on Netflix and Swill.com. If you want to stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill and Friends, check out 
uh, two peas on a podcast. Uh, the golden peas are this Monday, tomorrow, uh, which is actually yesterday. So go watch the VOD of the golden peas. Because otherwise, Gerald will cry. Yeah, and while you're watching that, uh, also on YouTube, look for Silent Hex by uh, fucking Spaceweather, who gives us our theme song for no money because they're nice. Uh, Everybody needs... Uh, you might pay them. I don't know. I don't know what our I, account okay, book looks so, like. So, so what happened was the last time I was in Pittsburgh, uh, I met up with Tony who wrote the song. And I was like, hey, I never paid you for the song. And he went, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I need to pay you for the song. And he's just like, OK, we're getting tacos. Just buy my fucking tacos. <laughs> and I went, OK, OK. So he lets us use a song for tacos, uh, which is a total bro move. I and like, Dan, I see you because I'm the same way. If somebody tries to do something for me, that's just a thing that nice people do. I can't accept it because like I'm not worth being nice to. Uh, but that's, you know, something I should talk to my therapist about. And it's putting a lot of words in my mouth. It definitely wasn't that like I was like, hey, Tony, can you give us a song? Maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting. Uh, per, perchance, the lady doth protest too much. What was I talking about? Oh, Silent Hex. It's of the songs that I've heard. This is one of the good ones, and everybody should go listen to it. That's true. I believe if you provide goods and services, you should uh, be compensated yeah. for that. So uh, if you're also of that inclination, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill, and give us some money. And we can do stuff like make continue to make this content or watch movies that you tell us to watch. Yeah. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. Explain. <laughs> money can buy many peanuts. Oh, $20, but I wanted a peanut. Uh, none of this is anything. I hope everybody goes and listens to the song. Maybe we can put a link to it in the show notes. And everybody can find it there. Yes. So. Until next week, this is Caleb saying, uh, go listen to Space Weather, you fucking monsters. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.